Welcome to CoinStack, our podcast and newsletter on Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, DeFi, Blockchain, Web 3.0, and the future of money. Let's get started. Amphibian Capital is a crypto quant fund of funds investing in the world's leading crypto hedge funds. They've researched over 250 crypto funds and built a diversified portfolio of the best performing 15, making it easier than ever to access the best crypto funds. Their portfolio funds is up so far in 2022, even in a bear market. It has been designed for all market environments. You can learn more about Amphibian Capital at www.amphibiancapital.com. Peer is a Web3 social network and blockchain technology company founded by Tony Tran to develop consumer-focused blockchain software, hardware, and services for Web3, the next evolution of the internet. Peer is headquartered in Seattle, Washington. To learn more, visit peer.inc and follow at PeerPMC on Twitter. CoinStack is sponsored by FTX. FTX is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. Trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. FTX US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. You can trade NFTs with no gas on FTX US and gas subsidized when you withdraw off the platform. Check out FTX US today or download the FTX app for Android and iOS. Welcome back, everybody, to CoinStack, your favorite weekly newsletter and podcast for institutional crypto investors, where we review the top news and reports in the digital asset ecosystem. Thank you to our sponsors, FTX, Peer, and Amphibian Capital, who are making this episode possible. This week, we'll cover the SEC probe of Coinbase, the CFTC's stunning press release directly criticizing the SEC, Voyager's rebuff of the FTX bailout, and Aptos' big $150 million raise, and the raid on a Terra co-founder's house. We'll also talk about the top 25 VCs by investment volume. Here we go with This Week in Crypto. Mike, take us away. All right. Crypto exchange Coinbase faces SEC probe over securities. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating whether Coinbase Global improperly let Americans trade digital assets that should have been registered as securities. Coinbase then responded on their blog, accusing the SEC of regulation through improper one-off enforcement actions. This is not the first time Coinbase has been going after SEC and vice versa. Ryan, what's your take on it? Well, this was actually quite interesting. You know, here's a, a thread from Coinbase Chief Legal Officer Paul Grewal. He wrote on just a few days ago, Coinbase doesn't list securities, period. We 100% disagree with the SEC's assertion that any of the crypto assets we list are securities. Coinbase has a rigorous process, he says, to analyze and review each digital asset before making it available on our exchange, a process that the SEC itself has reviewed. We've cooperated with the DOJ and the SEC on this investigation. The Department of Justice reviewed the same facts and didn't file securities fraud charges against those involved. This is another example of regulation by enforcement on behalf of the SEC, which is not an effective or transparent approach to regulation. You know, they then wrote a blog post and one of the excerpts from the blog post was very interesting. They're going right after the juggler of the SEC. They're saying, 
We cooperated with the SEC's investigation into the wrongdoing charged by the Department of Justice today. But instead of having a dialogue with us about the seven assets on our platform, the SEC jumped directly to litigation. The SEC's charges put a spotlight on an important problem. The United States does not have a clear or workable regulatory framework for digital asset securities. And instead of crafting tailored rules in an inclusive and transparent way, the SEC is relying on these types of one-off enforcement actions to try to bring all digital assets into its jurisdiction, even those assets that are not securities. Now, the next news story is going to talk about this. It really is a wild west right now with the CFTC directly criticizing the SEC. Mike, tell us more about that. Yeah, so yes, CFTC issues statement condemning SEC over overreach. In the absence of clarity from Congress as to which agencies should regulate digital assets and whether they are securities or commodities, the CFTC went on the offensive this week in a public turf war with the SEC, condemning the SEC for regulation through litigation instead of regulation through legislation. This is a striking example of why Congress needs to pass the Loomis-Gilbert bill and soon. Yeah, so this was actually a stunning statement. So the CFTC is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, Mike. And there is a big question right now about whether digital assets, crypto tokens and cryptocurrencies are securities or are they commodities? Are they securities that track the performance of a company or shared business enterprise? Or are they commodities like oil or copper? that could be used within platforms to create value? Well, it really depends on how you look at it. Past uh, SEC directors have said that digital assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum are commodities. They're not securities because they're decentralized and widely held. There's no corporation that created Bitcoin or no corporation that created Ethereum. Um, these are organizations that are decentralized, distributed, and yes, they're nonprofit foundations that own a minority of the supply, but they're really governed by uh, the community right now. Um, now you have other assets like Ripple's XRP that um, you know was very much created by a centralized company, and, and that's why the SEC has gone after them. But it was a striking statement this week from commissioner at the CFTC, Carolyn Pham, she was directly commenting on the SEC's uh, internal case that they've now put forth against uh, the insider trader who was the product manager at Coinbase. She, she says the following on July 21st last week. She said, the case SEC versus Wahi is a striking example of regulation by enforcement. There you have it again, that same term, regulation by enforcement. That's what so many people are up against, that they seem to regulate in a way that um, is not based on any guidelines that are put out in advance, but just based on um, actually going and litigating it. Um, the SEC complaint, I'll continue here the statement, the SEC complaint alleges that dozens of digital assets, including those that could be described as utility tokens and or tokens related to DAOs, are in fact securities. The SEC allegations, she says, could have broad implications beyond this single case, underscoring how critical and urgent it is that regulators work together. So here's a commissioner of the CFTC advocating for regulators to work together instead of in silos. She continues and finishes, 
Major questions are best addressed through a transparent process that engages the public to develop appropriate policy with expert input through notice and comment rulemaking pursuant to the Administrative Procedure Act. And then this last line here in the statement um, was the one that really caught my eye. And, and it really, you can see it as a strike across the bow of the SEC. Uh, she says, regulatory clarity comes from being out in the open, not in the dark. Uh, this is now implying, this is a commissioner at the United States CFTC is implying that the SEC is operating in the dark in terms of its regulatory procedures. This was really, really striking, Mike. Uh, let, let's continue here and learn more about what the CFTC is doing to expand their crypto efforts. Yeah, so they actually just launched an Office of Technology Innovation to expand crypto regulatory efforts. CFTC Chief Rawson Benning said at a Brookings Institution event on Monday, we have moved past the stage of digital assets as a research project. In the absence of new legislative authority, we are at the CFTC continue to look at how we can work to protect markets and investors within the bounds of our existing authority. The new OTI director will be Jorge Harada, who previously worked on the Federal Reserve CBDC project and has substantial experience with digital assets. So here's uh, Jorge's Harada's bio. Um, he has a lot of experience with working in cryptocurrencies. He um, previously was working at the Federal Reserve, um, where he was guiding the vision and experiments for the central bank digital currency project that's happening right now to compete against the digital yuan in China. And prior to joining the Federal Reserve Board, Jorge served for four years as a senior technology advisor for Lab CFTC, where he focused on innovation, technology analytics, finance, distributed ledger technology, and cryptocurrencies. So here we have a guy who is very experienced in digital asset regulation, becoming the director of the Office of Technology Innovation, which is the group within the Commodities Futures Trading Commission that is designed to regulate uh, regulate these new digital assets, which is certainly what Sam Bankman-Fried at FTX has been advocating for the CFTC taking a bigger role to regulate digital assets as commodities instead of securities. Mike, back to you for the next story. Yeah, we got SBF going again. Banker Voyager rebuffs on SBF's lowball bid. Banker crypto lender Voyager Digital said a recent joint proposal from FTX and Alameda Ventures was a lowball bid dressed up as a white knight rescue and alleged the plan would disrupt its bankruptcy process. What's your take on this, Ryan? Well, I wanted to refer back to SBF's tweet thread from July 24th. He said, quote, Voyager lost customer assets, but it still has the majority of them left. But why haven't these been returned to customers yet? Some sad facts from a bankruptcy process. Let's say that Voyager has 75% of assets remaining. He says he doesn't know the exact number, so it's an estimate. Quote, it seems like the first thing that should happen is that the customers get back their 75%, and then later they can get back the rest if anything is recovered from Three Arrows Capital. But this hasn't happened. Why? Well, the traditional process is that before customers get their assets back, they all get screwed. He actually said the F word there, not going to put that on air. They all get screwed. First, there's a long drawn out process during which funds are frozen. It can take years. Remember Mt. Gox, that process is still going on. So here, Sam Bankman-Fried, one of the kings of crypto, who has certainly weathered this downturn very, very well. He's only 30 years old, Mike. You can't believe that. Uh, he is saying that um, there is the old school traditional finance bankruptcy process, which can take years. 
two to five years. Um, that is much slower than the process of smart contract liquidations like we might have seen on Aave or Compound or Maker that happen within minutes seamlessly and flawlessly uh, where, where the code is law. And he's saying that he's offering to purchase all of Voyager's lost customer assets and make them whole for it. Um, and yet Voyager turned down that offer saying that uh, they weren't offering enough, which is certainly going to delay uh, certainly um, many months, maybe even many years, Voyager customers getting their money back. So what what an interesting situation here. Mike, let's go back to story number five for the news. Bipartisan bill to regulate stablecoin is delayed for at least several weeks. U.S. House lawmakers are delaying consideration of a bipartisan bill to curb potential risks posed by so-called stablecoins, pushing back a vote on the measure until September. This bill should help decide in the U.S. whether non-bank firms will be able to issue stable coins, what reserve requirements will be, and whether segregation of company funds from depositor funds should be required. Next in the news, we have South Korean authorities widened Terra Probe as co-founder Daniel Shin's home raided, a probe into possible illegal activity behind the algorithmic stable coin Terra USD, so known as UST, and the affiliate Luna Governance Token has deepened with a raid on the sole home of the firm's co-founder, Daniel Shin. Then in the crypto sphere, we have Moonbeam now lets you swap between Polkadot and Cosmos, which is fascinating. Moonbeam, a smart contract pair chain on Polkadot, has partnered with Cosmos-based decentralized exchange Osmosis to enable cross-chain token swaps between the Polkadot and Cosmos ecosystems. Then we have smart contract audits are not bulletproof. Audius was hacked for $6 million. Decentralized streaming music service Audius was hacked for more than $6 million worth of audio tokens over the weekend, which the attacker stole from its government's smart contract. Then we're going to move out west. California overturns ban on political crypto donations. California's political campaign financing watchdog approved measures Thursday, allowing state and local offices the right to raise funds using crypto once more. And we're going to end now with Three Arrows founders break silence over collapse of crypto hedge fund. After five weeks in hiding, the founders of Three Arrows Capital, Suzu and Kyle Davies, spoke extensively about the spectacular implosion of their once high-flying hedge fund, saying the crypto speculation unleashed cascading margin calls on loans that should have never been made. Well, we've been covering this story for the last eight weeks or so since it first broke in late May. Uh, the two co-founders, Suzu and Kyle Davis, declined to say what they were, but one of the lawyers on the call said that their destination is Dubai. They apparently are in the UAE, which has emerged as a hot spot for crypto. So that sounds like where they're going to hunker down, try to get through this liquidation and bankruptcy process and potentially come out the other side. We shall see. There's also some speculation that there might have been some intentional fraud on their behalf, at least in making attestations to creditors uh, about amounts of various collateral that they may have had or not had or may have uh, collateralized to multiple parties. So we will see what ends up happening. Um, best wishes to everyone in the recovery process there. So now I'm going to read the tweet of the week. It's from Bankless founder Ryan Sean Adams. He says, stop trying to solve everything with regulated crypto banks. That's what the Genslers want. Gensler is, of course, the head of the SEC. The answer to listing front running is Uniswap, where anyone can list. That way we prevent another Celsius uh, by using Aave with loans on chain. We have the solution already. It's called DeFi. 
you know, that was a very interesting post. He's obviously very bullish on Ethereum and DeFi. You know, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week on The Block uh, with Frank Shaparo and uh, Bill Barnhart from Abra. And Bill, uh, the CEO of Abra, was saying, yes, DeFi is good. Smart contracts are good, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Uh, and in fact, DeFi has had many hacks, uh, and there there have been many hundred million dollar plus hacks uh, over the last couple years in DeFi. And that while yes, it works theoretically perfectly in terms of liquidations, and it's done well the last three months, um, we really need to solve these hacks uh, in order for DeFi to be used by the mainstream. Mike, let's go to the weekly crypto fundraises and deals. Yeah. So first one up, we have Aptos Labs and L1. Raises $150 million Series A led by FTX Ventures. Following up from there, we have Hashflow, a bridgeless cross chain, raises $25 million Series A from Jump Crypto. Optip, a Web3 AI company, raises $11 million seed led by Kleiner Perkins. AnyPen, a South Korean metaverse firm, raises $8 million Series C led by Medici Investments. And Zarda, NFT lending, raises $4.3 million seed led by Shilling Capital. Ryan, what do you think about this Aptos race? Well, I, I think it was a very interesting one. Uh, it's a big deal as they're working on building a new and improved high-speed blockchain that can process 160,000 transactions per second. That compares to 15 TPS for Ethereum today and 4,000 TPS for Solana today. And many of the engineers building Aptos were previously building the technology for DM or Libra at Facebook. Uh, this big funding round was co-led by Venture Studios, FTX Ventures, and Jump Crypto, with additional participation from A16Z, Apollo, Franklin Templeton, and Circle Ventures. According to Bloomberg, the funding round more than doubled the startup's valuation, which was over a billion dollars as of March. So that means over $2 billion valuation for a firm with $0 in revenue. As far as we can tell, that is a very interesting uh, situation. Again, even in a bear market, you have startup blockchains uh, with a couple billion dollar valuations. I remember uh, back in the day, it would usually take 10 years uh, to get to a billion dollar valuation and maybe a hundred million in revenue at least. You know, Mike, um, we were looking at some of the top uh, VCs in the space. Uh, we did a assessment this week and what we recognized is that there are, you know, about 25 funds that we were able to find that have made at least 25 investments into the blockchain space. Most, to be honest, are in San Francisco, uh, about half of them, uh, with the rest spread out between New York City, Singapore, Beijing, Hong Kong, Cayman Islands, Austin, uh, Berlin, and Chicago. Um, the top uh, 10 our Coinbase Ventures, uh, Digital Currency Group, AU21 Capital, I actually heard, heard, had not heard of them before, or number four, NGC Ventures, uh, Alameda Research, Pantera, LD Capital, Polychain, Binance Labs, and A16Z Crypto. Those firms had all had at least 140 unique blockchain investments so far. I also encourage all of our listeners to check out the newsletter at coinstack.substack.com. This week in the stats section, we talk about Ethereum number of addresses, holding 10 plus ETH, hitting an all-time high. We talk about the Terra Luna collapse timeline. We talk about Celsius's chapter 11 filing creditors. We talk about the rate of change in monetary supply and the top five metaverses by land sales, which are other side, Decentraland, Sandbox, NFT Worlds, and CryptoVoxels. 
We also write about Uniswap dominating the DEX market with now 65% of the market share. Um, we talked about the how the web is evolving over the past few years from web 1.0 to web 3.0 and how ETH has substantially outperformed Bitcoin uh, since the date of the merge was announced, which is scheduled for September 19th. Uh, we also have the vitamin of the week talking about the definition of virtual real estate and some highlights from the top crypto reports, including the state of Solana in Q2 2022 from Masari. Take a look at our newsletter. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. We really appreciate it. Anything you want to share, Mike? No, that's it. Peace out, guys. All right. Have a great day, everybody. One smart contract ruled them all. My attempt at making a Lord of the Rings joke. Anyways, sorry for the dad joke. Just had to do that one. So Ethereum has had a multi-year head start from the rest of its L1 competitors. And as it stands, Ethereum remains the king of the jungle. With a little over $140 billion in TVL, beating its previous all-time high back in May. Other L1s, such as Avalanche and Phantom, saw major growth this past quarter after announcing their incentive programs to bring developers and users over to their platforms in hopes of replicating the success of Ethereum's DeFi ecosystem. Luna and its founders have made it clear that they are vying for the top spot when it comes to bringing blockchain technology into fintech, but it still has a long way to reach the level of decentralization and dApp ecosystem as Ethereum. In conclusion, we are putting a buy signal on Terra, but not quite as strong as Phantom, which is growing faster than Terra and has a much lower market cap of TVL ratio per the below chart. You guys can check out the chart over at the newsletter, but long story made short, when we look at market cap to TVL, Terra is at a 4.70 versus Phantom is at a 1.33. And considering that it's year-to-date price change in terms of TVL, look guys, long story made short, that thing's a monster that's just ripping apart. That's just ripping everything apart. I mean, Phantom is growing crazy, but Luna is something not to ignore because it, there's a reason why it is so high in the coin market cap in terms of just where it stands. And so could Phantom Eclipse tear of this fall? We'll end this issue with a quick preview of next week's issue where we will be doing a deep dive on Phantom. Among the top eight blockchains by Total Value Locked in DeFi, Phantom is both the fastest growing token year to date and it has the lowest market cap to Total Value Locked ratio. And it, can still, it may still be substantially undervalued. Phantom has 5 billion DeFi TVL, the same as Avalanche, yet is trading at 80% lower market cap. We anticipate good things to come from the phantom ecosystem this fall and so that's it guys that is our deep dive on terra luna if you want to go check out those stats and those charts you can head on over to our newsletter where we actually have everything breaking down as well as a couple of links make you guys make it a little easier to invest in those tokens until next time see you soon peace